Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, And we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and playing recently. I'm Terry. And I am Mary Beth. And this week we are chatting about cryptid phone footage, an epic invasion series, a fascinating rape revenge story, a gothic goopy Metroidvania game, a heartbreaking film with apocalyptic consequences, and Terry's comfort comedy. Yeah, Very excited a lot. about that. <laughs> we have a lot i mean well i mean part of it is because i uh, had to call off last week because i was under the weather <laughs> so um got a lot to talk about i think this time i know i was like oh i finally fucking watched things but that's okay now i just have now i just didn't watch as much <laughs> last week so i guess <laughs> <laughs> there we go so let's uh, let's start with cryptic found footage that sounds really interesting yeah, so I have watched some stuff from various festivals over the sum- like over the past couple of weeks, and one of the festivals I had had some screeners from was Popcorn Frights, 
which is in Miami, Florida. They are a great, um, a great genre festival. And I really enjoy a lot of the programming they have. And one of the films they had this year that uh, I've tweeted about quite a bit and reviewed for Dread Central, found footage film Frogman. Okay, I was which, wondering if it was Frogman, because yes. you have talked about it on Twitter. I didn't know it was found footage, though. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it is a Loveland, Loveland Frogman found footage movie. And the Loveland Frogman is a frogman who haunts the woods of Loveland, Ohio. It's an incredible cryptid. It's my fi- it's just so good and it is just like a frog that kind of walks like a dude. Like it, it's like I would say humanoid frog, but it's like it's a frog who just wa- like is bipedal kind of. Okay. I'm, yeah. I just yeah. googled it. It's images. like exactly what it sounds like. Like it really like it's mostly frog. You, they say frog man, but like it's usually it's just a giant walking frog, like a bipedal frog. And so it's like the most ridiculous cryptid. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when like uh-huh. some cryptids are kind of scary, like this one, you're like, this is insane. Did you know, by the way, that apparently, because when I Googled searched Loveland Frogman, did you know that Chuck Tingle has written a tingler about the Frogman? No, but I'm not really, su- I'm not necessarily surprised. It's called and The Loveland Frogman Gives the Best Accounting Advice and Head I've Ever Gotten. So not necessarily like, directly related to this movie but like a tenuous uh tenuous connection because this movie asks the question does frogman fuck so like oh this found footage movie is directed is this a directed dream? by <laughs> directed by anthony Co- yeah you are actually um <laughs> so anthony cousins directed this and anthony cousins has done like a bunch of short films that have been all over the festival circuit they're like usually what he usually does like so he he did some of the cinematography and scare package he's okay. done. Um, yeah. He directed um, the night he came back again, part six, the night she came back and scare package okay. two scare mm-hmm. package. He did the night he came back again. And then also did every time you meet for ice cream, your whole fucking face explodes. I don't know if you've seen that before, but no. he's done like a lot of like, what he does is like horror comedy taken to like a terrifying extreme a lot of the time. So it's like ridiculous, okay. but also kind of scary. So it's this really interesting kind of balance that he hits with his like the the horror and the silliness of it all. And so that translates really well into this this movie, which is I compare it. I've compared it a couple times to Willow Creek, Bobcat Goldthwait's uh, Bigfoot movie because it's like. Three, so it's three about three friends are going and making a documentary because one of the friends, when he was younger, captured actual footage of the Loveland Frogman. Everyone says it wasn't real, and he's been obsessed with this since he was a kid. Now he's an adult and wants to finally capture more proof that the Frogman is real, and brings two of his friends along for the ride. And it's this really interesting look at the town of Loveland, Loveland, Ohio, and like the commerce that's around, like that surrounds it, and how this town has become like so, so kind of defined by the creature and it's got that kind of that Blair Witch Project vibe at the beginning when they're interviewing locals and things like that and then they start getting into the really weird shit and then really awesome practical effects come in come into play and there's some really cool really cool goopy crazy weird shit going on in it and I was really really surprised by it because again like found footage movies don't do creatures a lot because of budget limitations but this did creature effects really well 
especially for such a small scale and probably pretty low budget movie. Um, it was really fucking cool. It's gonna, you know, it's found footage and it's a little bit slow at the beginning because it's that kind of found footage format. But I think they, they get, it starts picking up much quicker and they show more of things happening rather than it being like one scary moment and then it's all over. Like it's got a pretty nice extended third act where there's a lot of crazy shit happening. Okay. Um, yeah. So I I'm a big it. fan. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it had its world premiere at popcorn frights. So I think it's going to start hitting the festival circuit now. I don't know where else it's playing next. Um, but yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that because, uh, it's really, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Hell yeah. That that sounds really interesting and fun, I have to say. Yeah, that, it's that's the thing. It's like, it's fun and creepy and funny. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not the biggest horror comedy person, but like this one, I wouldn't call it a horror comedy necessarily. Because um, it's like mostly, I don't think it's that as funny, but it's definitely like playing at that line really well. So Okay. But I, wa- I now want to hear about this Epic Invasion series. Yeah, so I had been meaning to watch this for a while. And with the second season now playing on Apple TV, I sat down to watch the first season of Invasion, which is Apple TV's big budget, multi-continent alien invasion series that follows it's, oh, it feels okay. like it feels like a disaster movie spread out over 10 episodes but it's following oh. like um people in different areas so we have this family in um, the united states who are going through some marital problems he's cheating on her she just finds out the night that shit starts to hit the fan and so she and her husband and her two kids end up fleeing we're following a a military guy over in the middle east i want to say afghanistan but i can't honestly remember who was fighting with his unit and got separated and so he's stuck in a in a foreign land while the shit is hitting the fan we're following this group of kids that were on a school bus in the uk and end up careening down into a ravine um, or a quarry and are stuck there when shit hits the fan. And then we're also following um, a Japanese uh, communication specialist and her secret girlfriend who is um, an astronaut and up in the space station when okay. shit hits the fan and they lose contact with the space station. And so we're sort of piecing together what's happening. Um, and it's a little slow. I would say the first season is a little slow in spots, but okay. there's some really cool character moments. And there's one episode in particular. It's episode, I want to say six, called Home Invasion, in which it is a 30-minute episode. That's one of the things I like about television shows when they can play with time restraints, because like typically most of the episodes in this are like 48 to an hour. And this one is okay. like a, a a short 33 minutes and it is literally family stuck in a house while this alien is marauding through and they have to be really quiet. And it is a oh, shit. 30 minute episode of them basically struggling to survive and escape this alien that is tracking people through sound. And the alien designs in this are gnarly. They look kind of like an ink blot meets like a daddy long leg. Like the legs just sort of shut out and shoot out and it like moves like a creepy oh. ink blot spider thingy. It's really weird. It's a really interesting show. Um, I'm really excited to see season two because I hear season two kind of fixes sort of the pacing issues. Okay. 
but I really enjoyed this first season. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it because it was getting sort of like middling reviews. And I do think the start is a little slow, but where it gets to is really fascinating. And I can't wait to see where it's going to go in a second season. I've like, I've seen things about this and I've heard about it. I've like seen it in my inbox, but wasn't Mm -hmm. quite sure about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I didn't. There's so many shows. It's sometimes so hard to know, like, what is worth. What's worth spending your time on or potentially Yeah, yeah. Like, what should I like? Yeah. Like, what do I try to get into? And okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed this So it sounds like a good alien. I don't know. I just feel like aliens, I feel like aliens are so hard to do well. And I Mm -hmm. get jaded and annoyed (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. with aliens but this sounds good yeah and i think this one sort of sidesteps a lot of the alien stuff because it is literally while it has an epic scope of multiple you know countries and continents it still is focused on human drama that is trying to happen when the worst day of their lives has started and so there's some really interesting things going on there and like i said i think the alien design is a lot different than we're used to seeing in alien um, movies. And I really it appreciate sounds it. like it. So I think it's doing enough to be really interesting. And there's some really cool moments in it. Episode six in itself, like just the home invasion episode is just a stellar standout 30 minute tense situation that I think really cemented what the series can do for me. Well, is there any, anyone like notable in it? Um, so there's not except that Sam Neill is in the first episode. Okay. And he's sort of like set up like initially to be kind of a character, but then he dies in the first episode. Spoiler alert, but it's like, oh, he's gone. Well, so it's not, you know, what can you do? Okay. And I, no, I will say there is, gosh, what's her name? Okay. So it does have Rinko Kikuchi. Oh I'm yeah. Not okay. Sure if I'm pronouncing her I, name I, correctly. Yeah. Who was in Babel, the brothers bloom Pacific Rim. She was Mako Mori yeah. in Pacific Rim. Um, she is the astronaut in space. And so she's not like a main, I mean, she's a main character, but she's not seen a whole lot, but she is, she is in it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think she is like the most recognizable person outside of, uh, Sam Neill, who's very briefly in it. Cool. Okay. Sweet. But yeah, that's Invasion. First season is on Apple TV and second season has just started. So I think now's a good time to get caught up if you're interested in it. Let's go to uh, let's go to a fascinating rape revenge story because I think yeah, I think you also watched this movie, but this is um this is the movie Our Father the Devil, which just came out um on VOD. Is it on VOD? It just came out in I think theaters. it is playing in a in a th- in a theater. I think it is. Yeah. Playing. Okay. So it's. It has an exclusive theatrical run right now. I think it's coming to digital soon. Um, this is a really, I think, a really fascinating um, take on a rape revenge story. It's about a young woman, and her name is Marie, and she works as a chef at a retirement home in a small town in France. And you know, she's has a pretty like typical life. She has some friends. She is, lives alone, and she one day she comes into work and she's there's a priest and the priest is someone from her past and by someone from her past it is a very bad someone from her past who triggers a lot of horrific memories and it is about her not only trying to come to terms with her trauma but also like what it means to get justice and what and this movie is like you know again grappling with 
ideas of justice and rape revenge and I really am appreciative of it because this is we don't really see a lot of rape revenge movies um, about black women. And this also is directed by a black woman. Her name is Ellie Fumbi. And, you know, again, me and female directed rape revenge movies like we know it's Mary Beth's going to be watching it. And I was really excited to see something like this because again like this is a perspective we don't get in the rape revenge subgenre ever it's always such an exploitative subgenre and it's not hasn't until recently been used as a place to really grapple with really awful like human atrocities because this doesn't just deal with sexual assault but like children child soldiers and and war and warlord yeah he used to be a warlord it's like i'm trying i'm trying to figure out like what's a spoiler and what's not a spoiler you know what i mean with this movie but again, like, even if you know, it's still incredible performance, performances by everybody. And it was just like, it's very hard to watch. You know, it's a woman grappling with being a child soldier and like, kind of being a child bride to a warlord. It's obvious. It's not graphic. Nothing is shown. But it, it yeah. still, it's, so it's very, it handles it very well. But again, like, it's still difficult subject matter. But it's subject matter that I think is so important if we are going to talk about the need for showing these kinds of things on screen, this is such an example of why, of like, we can't just sweep these things under the rug. Like people need to see these kinds of things portrayed on screen to, you know, again, like some kind of catharsis, some kind of understanding of how to cope, some kind of way to see a fictional version of what you wish you could do played out. It's just, yeah. I do think it's a little bit slow at parts. I think it's a little bit repetitive, but like, you know, I still am, regardless of some of, like, the issues I've had, I have with it, I think it's a really, another really gorgeous, devastating example of how this subgenre has shifted so much in just the past couple of years and how cool it is to see how it has shifted, um, especially when there's a um, woman behind the camera. I uh, I thought this was a very fascinating, like, morality play because... Yes, she, very much. Because she thinks that this man is someone from her past. Yeah. There is a question of whether he is or not. And there's the question of whether what she is doing is right, because it is it. I mean, not to beat around the bush, there's violence towards this man because of the atrocities that she believes he committed when she was a kid. And so there's a little bit of, there's a lot of trauma in here in terms of like, at what point can you forgive someone for a horrendous thing? And it brings into this idea because he is a Catholic priest of like religion and who is able to forgive. Can there be forgiveness for both for either of them? Because like you said, she was forced into be a child soldier. And so she has a lot of internalized horror and trauma from that. There's it's it's an interesting depiction of the way violence can beget violence. And then it's a cyclical nature. I do think that it pulls its punches a little too much. Um, I do like some of the ways in which it it handles not showing the violence by like cutting between violence that is happening and someone slicing a chicken breast, for instance, or, you know, it implies it. But I I do think that for such an emotional and weighty subject matter, it does pull its punches a little too much for me. But I do think that the, the, the performances, particularly by... Babita Sajo, who plays Marie, she is fearless in this performance. Um, she gives yeah. a very nakedly raw performance here um, as someone who is so closed off to society that she just kind of, she has like a friend 
but she doesn't want anything else from society because of all the torment that she has been holding in onto her whole life. And so there's some really interesting things here, thematic thriller morality play type things going on. I just, I don't know. I kind of wanted a little bit more catharsis in the violence, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I get that. I think there wasn't as much catharsis as I would have, you know. I mean, again, and like... Everyone who, like, the amount of catharsis you want is so subjective, you know? But, like, yeah, absolutely. it definitely felt like it was restrained. It, um, it was trying to be restrained, and it mm-hmm. became too restrained. And, yeah. like, what it was doing and how it was grappling with what it was trying to grapple with. And I, I as someone who just directed a rape revenge movie who says, fuck forgiveness, it's so interesting to watch. And, like, it's not, I'm not saying, and, like, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not, but it's just very, it's just so interesting to watch like such different perspectives on like mm-hmm. forgiveness and justice. And it, this is also trying to be much more realistic. Like this is trying to be much yeah. more steeped in realism and like, it's right. not trying to be like a fantastical thing. It's, it's, it is much more serious, which makes a lot of sense and like what it's trying to do. And I will say mm-hmm. there is a moment at the end that it's like a sex scene that like had me in fucking tears because of how beautifully they represented trying to get intimate after like being disconnected from your body for so long it's like one of the most incredible things i've ever seen in a movie before so like yeah that alone makes this movie incredible to watch it's very honest it's very raw it's not afraid to get kind of emotionally messy and i appreciate that so much about movies like this and movies that aren't afraid to make people who are survivors of horrific violence also be complicated and kind of messy themselves yeah like i just continue to appreciate that and like seeing healing as such a weird thing and it's much more complicated than moving on. And I think it's really hard for movies to get that right, even though everyone wants to make movies about it. <laughs> it's not working. And this one really does it really, really well. So it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. It's a really good one. Um, so again, if it's not your thing, absolutely understand it's not an easy watch but if you're interested it is really really well done it's really beautiful the performances are really great so that's um our father of the devil and in a probably very different kind of thing a goopy gothic (laughs) metroidvania game probably could not be much more different tonally if we try (laughs) i mean this does have stuff to do with um catholicism and religious iconography okay um, okay. So we do right, have that right. a little bit, um, <laughs> but if you're a, if you if you know me, if you're a listener, and you you probably know that Metroidvania is like my catnip of a game, and Metroidvania is taking the names of Metroid and Castlevania and smashing them together, and it kind of describes a type of game. And so this is like an action adventure where you have like this giant map to explore and you get new abilities or new items or new things that allow you to further explore and go back to places that you'd already explored that open up new avenues. And I just really enjoy it. It works for my brain because it feels like a very circuitous, like structure of trying to like find secret passages and find power ups and, and just really... I think it really forces you to get to understand the level and the design of the game much more than most games where you just pass through an area and then you just continue moving on where it's like, no, by the end of this game, you know this world in and out. And so this is a new, this is a an old game that has a sequel. And so I had kickstarted it way back in 2017 and then I never played it. I don't know why, I just never did. But with the sequel finally out, I sat down to play a game called Blasphemous. 
And Blasphemous is, boy, is it goopy and has a lot of body horror in it. You play this faceless knight who has... Oh! Yeah! Are you familiar with this? Yes, I want to play this so bad. Yeah, so like it is the the bosses in this. Like there is one in which this this giant baby is being held by a creature, and there's this giant worm, and the baby is crying, and it's it's it, gnarly. This game is a nightmare fuel of of monster design. You're playing this character that has this giant cone for like a, a helmet that is wrapped in barbed wire. He's called yeah! the One. There's like so much religious iconography it's based on it's highly influenced by roman catholicism the iconography of such holy week in spain and spanish culture particularly that of andalusia oh, andalusia okay. and so like it is drenched in a lot of religious symbolism that i don't completely understand the story in the same way that like dark souls is is very ambiguous and inscrutable this one follows that but i don't mind i just I, the, the way that this game un, unfolds and unravels and um, continually pushes the envelope of like horrific religious iconography and really gnarly body horror is quite entertaining for me. There's this one character who upgrades your like healing item and if you bring him stuff and as the game progresses and you continue to feed him this stuff, like this other body is literally growing out of his body on the ground as he gets more and more deformed by helping you out. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg in this. There are some sites in here that I'm just like, what the fuck am I staring at? Um, and it's a Metroidvania game and it's incredibly Gothic. It's pulling from Bloodborne and, um, and Dark Souls as well as like Castlevania type games. It's really good. And I'm very excited to sit down and play the sequel. Okay. Where are you playing it? Um, I'm playing it on Steam, but it is out on Windows, Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox. Oh, it's on Switch. Okay. Yeah, and the sequel, Blasphemous 2, just came out last week. Okay. And is also on Windows, Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox. And I'm looking okay, forward so to it. Okay, so it's everywhere. And it's really good. It's really good. Okay. And I really recommend it for horror fans that like to play video games because it is, it is gnarly. Okay. Yeah, I've seen... Especially, like, the barbed wire clown hat man. <laughs> I have seen him in a bunch of places. I mean, he's very striking. Like, it's pictures. Very striking, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, very, very striking. Um, so he's very, yes, I have I've seen him. And I was like, this game looks very much like my shit. It's a little difficult, but it's not impossible. I get frustrated I, easily. I'm not, surpri- with I'm not games, surprised. It's hard, but it's not frustrating throw your game across the the room hard. okay did you play infernal no is that did you talk about that is that the one that you talked I d- about yes on... because y- yeah it's like it's i don't think they're the same but it's like a similar vibe of like yeah in terms of creepy vaguely maybe this is probably more i think more religious but like that kind of game mm-hmm. where it's like a pain in the ass but it's satisfying when you do it yes i i will say that i think some of the platforming in this is a little unfair <laughs> But uh, uh, platforming is my uh, 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 I hate <laughs> platforming there's, there's gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> there's one level in here that it's just like it was a little frustrating with the platforming. That was the only time I ever got frustrated. Oh, really? in the game. Otherwise, it is okay. it is hard. But there's one area in particular that I was just like, oh, I can't wait to get out of this and I ever have to return. <laughs> but um, it, it's good. It's a good one. I really recommend it. OK, I will have to play it. God, yeah, I, I think another you, thing I think for me like to it. fucking play. 
Uh, let's veer wildly, I think, to a heartbreaking film with apocalyptic consequences. Yeah. So I watched this um, out of Fantasia slash Fright Fest. It's at both, okay. and I kind of watched it like between. But this is New Life, um, okay. directed by John Rosman, newcomer. And it stars Sonia Walger who was Penny in Lost and in For All Mankind, which Terry has talked about. So friend friend of the pod, uh, Kayla Heyer, uh, was telling me, like, was, is repping this movie and was like, you really need to watch it. And usually if Kayla tells me I really need to watch something, she's usually pretty right. So I said, mm-hmm. all right, I have to do it. There's just no way I can't. And I, Sonia Walker, I mean, again, well, I was a lost girl. So give me anything. I was a lost boy. Uh, but... <laughs> Look at us. God, she's... God, her and Desmond were goals for me. I was a fucking... Anyway. Oh, not Penny I Shep. can't even... I can't... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that show ended horribly, but damn if there were not characters that I was fucking obsessed with for so long. Man, oh, I'll man. defend the ending of that show to anyone. <laughs> Fair. Anyway, okay. Uh, re, 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 refocusing myself here, but... So this movie follows a young woman played by Haley Aaron who is on the run for some reason. We don't really know why. And Sonia Walger plays a fixer to find her and to mm. bring her in, basically. And it is these two women's paths getting closer and closer to each other and what happens when they intersect. And it's like really, it's like one of these movies where it's like, I don't want to tell you anything because right. like not knowing anything is really cool. Um, but I just will tell you that it starts as one thing and ends as another in a My very cool way. What I really like about this is El- uh, Elsa, Sonia Walgar's character, has ALS. And they deal with ALS in a really interesting way and in showing the progress, like the illness progressing, but she's never not a badass. She's... And she uses a, a, a cane, a mobility aids. She has, you know, issues where her joints lock up or where she can't, she can't walk. Like she loses balance and things like that. But she still is able to be this like badass character. And I love that because, you know, again, disability is always seen as so tragic and as like, oh, this person is laying in bed, but she's still running around like being fucking badass with a gun. So it's really interesting and cool to see disability shown this way. Um, but now also talking about like people considering suicide with a disability and like that being honest about that, especially when you have a degenerative illness like ALS, which, you know, is really awful and terrible. And it's a really interesting, this movie uses that in a really fascinating way to parallel what's going on with the younger woman and saying a lot about how desperately we want control over our bodies and also our obsession with bodies. And it's just, it's really, really good. And I know it's like hitting festivals. I really want people to see it because it's really good. And there's like yeah. a comp I have for it that spoils it, but it's a really good comp. And I can't wait for people to see it because I want to tell everyone <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Don't you hate That's that? It. Yeah. So it's like debating about talking about it, but I still want to talk about it. I know it's like super mm-hmm. vague, but like I just want people to like have it in their in their minds and on their radars because I definitely want to see it too. That's how we get the words out because mm-hmm. it's really good really really good it's really like it's really it just looks good production value is awesome really well acted really well written in terms of pacing so yeah it's a good one i'm very excited everyone needs to keep and you saw this one at for fantasia fantasia slash fright fest (laughs) 
It was up both very quickly, and I was, I'm like kind of behind on Fantasia because of you know the movie that I made, I guess. So it's like they're all kind of rolling together. Why do I have to start with fucking F? By the way, Fright Fest, Fantastic Fest, and Fantasia. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? You're trying to kill me? Right. Fucks. Anyway, but let's end on like a super happy note with Terry's yeah. comfort comedy. I'm very excited to hear about this. Yeah, so after we talked with Aaron Mark, uh, this was going to be one of the things I talked about last week. Um, okay. And it didn't happen. But when we talked with Aaron Mark about Death Trap, Aaron Mark being the playwright, showrunner of the horror of Dolores Roach, and we were talking about Death Trap, which is an adaptation of a play. And I mentioned in that episode, if you listened, Noises Off, which has a very similar start to Death Trap. And after we had that conversation, I was like, I must rewatch Noises Off because it is a comfort watch for me. Have you ever seen it? No, I have not. So Noises Off. I know of um, it because it's a play, right? Yes, it is a play. And so what we're doing is we're following a traveling theater group is starting their production. The very so when we when it opens, we are seeing them on dress rehearsal slash tech rehearsal, because as people know, sometimes you don't have time and you have to do both. So they're doing a tech and dress rehearsal literally the night before it opens up in Des Moines. Um, in a Des Moines theater, Des Moines, Iowa theater. Whomst among us hasn't had that experience. (laughs) Exactly. And so we're following them as they're trying to work through technical issues of the first act while knowing that there is a deadline of literally opening up in front of a live audience the next night. So we're seeing the director who's played by Michael Caine basically trying to wrangle, basically trying to wrangle this group of of actors that includes some very heavy, um, heavyweight comedic actors carol brunette is in it okay um, christopher reeve which again the death trap connection okay christopher reeve and Michael Caine. john ritter is in it oh my god and then uh there's some other people that um i'm i can't remember their names oh julie Haggerty plays some is is in it so there's like a lot of really big comedic people in this show and so the first it's it's blended three acts the first act is them trying to put on this trying to do their tech rehearsal and seeing everything kind of fall apart in front of the screen okay the second act is months down the road where we've seen their relationships devolve between them and they're kind of at each other's throat but we are watching it from behind the stage so we're not seeing what's happening on the stage. We're seeing everything that's happening behind the stage. And I think that is so fascinating. So we're seeing everyone trying to be quiet while the acting is on stage. Oh, but people, I love that. Yes. But people are literally like people are cheating on each other. People are, are like hitting the bottle. And so we're seeing this. So we're seeing like them at each other's throat and literally falling apart. And then by the the third act, we're back in the front of the stage. We are seeing them months down the road as they just don't even give a flying fuck anymore. And it is so funny. It's so silly and goofy. And it just makes me giggle. And it it feels like a comfort watch for me. And I, I, I watch it maybe once every few years. I'll be like, I need to go watch this again. And Aaron Mark made me want to go revisit this movie because I just I think it's very, very funny and very sweet. And just great, great performances. So that's noises oh, yeah. off, and I highly recommend it. Okay, I I'm like I know people have performed it, and I've heard mm-hmm. of it like a million times. Um, but you just made me want to watch it even more. So I really recommend it. It is so funny. It is so funny. Uh, it seems like a what, good like turn off, like a good a good comedy, just like a good mm-hmm. solid comedy. Yeah, we made it. I made it like a double feature. I watched that, and then I watched No Hard Feelings, and No Hard Feelings is not good. 
Jennifer Lawrence is good in it, but that's oh, is that the one where she like has tries to have sex with the son because he's a yeah. nerd or whatever? Mm-hmm. You, you like it's my... as cringe as you ex- as you would expect based on what you just said. Yes. <laughs> okay. She's funny in it, but the movie is not great. Okay. Well, good to know. I mean, not shot. So. But this movie, noises off, stellar. Two thumbs up. Go watch it. That about does it for this week. Who are we chatting with on Monday, Mary Beth? So I'm very excited because we are chatting with Travis Bible, who is the co-writer and the director of the hilarious movie Hashtag Chad Gets the Axe, which we have talked about a lot on this podcast. We both saw it at the Unnamed Footage Festival, and we were on the jury for the fest, and we were very excited to award it awards because it is such a good movie and such a good use of screen life, and it is out as of the publication of this podcast, so you should watch it ahead of it's so funny seriously you you will have so much fun because it's way more fun than the movie he brought with him which is return of the living dead part two (laughs) which is definitely a film that we have seen at this point now i've now i've now seen it yeah that's about all i can say about that uh so we try to be nice to it but we have a good time just kind of laughing about about it and why it exists so that's on monday so watch Chad Gets the Axe uh, this weekend. Yes, definitely watch that. It is so good. It is so good. Oh, yes. It's it's so fun. It's it's just fun. So yes. Show feet. <laughs> Show feet. So listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch something or play something that we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should be covering? You should let us know by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm McKaylee Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. We are also on Blue Sky at Scarred Podcast and on Instagram at Scarred for Life Podcast. I know that... And we know that people are migrating to different platforms. We are also there. So you have no excuse not to follow us wherever you decide to land. And please don't forget to... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe if you haven't. It has been a moment since we have gotten a review. It would be really nice to see a new one up because... It does help with the algorithms. Unfortunately, we live in this time where that's how you find things. So I really appreciate if you'd go out there and and review um, our show or give it a rating on on Spotify and iTunes. And if you want to help support us, we are on Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer And use your cap You could build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching There's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day 
Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>